नमस्ते श्री अरविंद और स्वामी विवेकानंद को तीन प्रकार से हम अप्रोच कर सकते हैं जब भी उन दोनों को साथ में हम रखते हैं एक है श्री अरबिंदो एंड स्वामी विवेकानंद तो वहाँ पे हम दोनों के स्पेशल मीटिंग पॉइंट्स और डिफरेंसेस इनको लाके सामने प्रकट करते हैं वी टेक अप बोथ ऑफ देम टुगेदर एंड वी कंपेयर वॉट आर द कॉमन मीटिंग ग्राउंड एंड वॉट आर द डिफरेंसेस Another way to approach Swami Vivekananda and Sri Aurobindo is Sri Aurobindo or Swami Vivekananda. But obviously, there is nothing from Sri Aurobindo to Swami Vivekananda because he had left his body just when Sri Aurobindo was uh, rising on the firmaments of the Indian and the world's horizons. Uh, the third approach is to see them as two stages. of india's and the world's spiritual destiny and i find that a best way to look at them um if i were to use a comparative analogy i would say that swami vivekananda and shirbindo is the morning star and the sun one comes at night but announces about the beauty of the future or brightness that is going to emerge and the other is the sun that rises effulgent into the sky so Swami Vivekananda when he comes that time indian spirituality or spirituality in general has either degenerated into religious tendencies or it has withdrawn into the caves out of ascetic tendencies and illusionism and at that point swami vivekananda comes and with his leonine roar sets the world on fire literally if we read through swami vivekananda one of the key things that one comes across is Uh, when we read in the upanishads brahman is fearless nirbhayo here is a man who is fearless because he is one with brahman can brahman die not at all and we see this uh, in one of the beauty and he goes beyond all that has been told so far you know he was a iconoclast um, just like you know he was supposed to be a gaze from the eye of shiva so he broke many of the old system as i was uh, hearing what manoj bhai was saying break all idols worship the one god worship the one god who dwells on all being a wideness which breaks all systems but when he was breaking the systems like shiva he was liberating them from the trappings in which they were caught so shurbindo quotes uh, once when he was uh, he quotes this about swami vivekananda that when he was asked by an audience that <coughs> sir but uh, shankara does not say so and swami vivekananda says well yes but vivekananda i vivekananda says so and shubindu says if somebody looks at it from the ordinary eye it will look like a gigantic egoism but it is not egoism it just the plain fact of his existence one who is dwelling in brahman how does he live how does he dwell he was answering the question of the gita he was not just stating a philosophy he was living it and that's why we find in his works such it's not just luminous but it is a living truth which he we find embodied in swami vivekananda's teachings whatever he wrote whatever he spoke it's it's a living power that we see in it so what exactly is um, uh, swami vivekananda's uh, basic teaching number 1 which are which obviously he came to awaken the world one thing where we find both um, carried the work together but one taking it to its fulfillment Swami Vivekananda was the seed sower that's how Shirobindo says he sowed the seeds into this world of a future which he could foresee somewhere but 
it was given to shurbindo to fulfill it so what were the seeds he sowed towards the future the first seed that he sowed was that india wake up to your own strength and this was important not only for awakening the world to the spiritual truth but of awakening india to its own reality without winning the inner swaraj how could we ask for outer swaraj so in that way he was just approaching the whole freedom movement from within outwards which is what we see with sure bindo he is taking it from within outwards or there were so many revolutionary uh, you know movements or attempts to free india from the british but what was the reason why india didn't become free because we had lost the inner swaraj spirituality had you know it had cast itself into thin and narrow streams and uh, it had cut itself from the world now when vivekananda goes to chicago and when he says you know uh, what he said about india that we i am proud to come from a land which believes that man is divine by his nature he is not a fallen being it shook the whole world as shurbindo says he held the whole world in the hollow of his palms so this was vivekananda who reminded the world of what india is what india was what india is and what it still can be without strength it is strength that attracts strength and without awakening this strength of india the shakti there was no way that uh, india could have become free so we understand why all this oppression which was needed from the larger perspective of god's plan why the divine made india go through what he made india go through why for hundreds of years india remained subject to other nations other civilizations because its spiritual tendencies had gone into a monastic um, advaitism a kind of illusionism right from uh, you know shankara buddha and so on and so forth and countless saints and sages wonderful they were but they were more like stars on the horizons of the night drawing us afar maybe guiding us with their pointing light but what about the living truth so swami vivekananda is the first person who revealed to the world what india is breaking all the systems and releasing the truth the kernel of spirituality and along with that he is the one who set a bonfire it's a very interesting paradox both sri ramakrishna and swami vivekananda went beyond religions but sri ramakrishna did it by um, finding a way of synthesis that there is a common element through which all religions can lead us to god but swami vivekananda in this sense he realized the limitations of the religious mindset and he knew the age that is dawning is calling us to go beyond religions and therefore he like an icon iconoclast he breaks them from their outer molds and liberates the spirit within so this is another thing which we find very beautiful in uh, swami vivekananda which also resonates with shurbindo the second thing which he came to show to the world that man wake up and his one message if there is a message was strength and courage wake up to your own strength within you know in a in a world where we are always taught to rely on this person that person destiny fate what was even now there is this too much insistence on karma destiny past you are bound as if in a machine and swami vivekananda liberated us from not only from ignorance but from this bondage to our own thoughts that we are bound and he comes and reminds us that look you have chosen to be bound you can be free and all the courage is within you the strength is within you the strength to realize is within you so in this sense we see something very interesting about swami vivekananda outwardly he wore the monk's garb and he did preach a kind of asceticism but inwardly swami vivekananda is essentially a karmayogi 
he goes all around the world and reveals the secret truths of uh, you know action in the world he is the one who preaches something very interesting that for a moment set the gita aside and teach the youth of india to play football let there be nerves of steel it is very interesting that what a combination he is that on one side he is a spiritual man and he says with what force and freedom keep the gita aside was he um saying that the gita is nothing no not at all when we read through swami vivekananda's work and that's uh, i must say is so important because just like with shorbinder and the mother we should see all the writings in general all his letters all his speeches everything to know the drift if one reads only this writing one may say oh he is advising us to leave the gita aside he is not saying that he is saying that there is this panditya this scholarly wisdom where we are lost only in the words the terminologies and the play of words set it aside and liberate within yourself the strength after all that is the message of the gita that the divine dwells within us and we should uncover him there is a path to reach him so this we find in swami vivekananda that he liberates things from their trappings and reminds us of the strength which is within us and which can carry us very far the third thing which we find in swami vivekananda which again shurbindo carries to its ultimate fulfillment is that wideness that wideness is very interesting in that wideness we see that he includes all the all humanity in the scope of his liberation and shurbindo very beautifully in synthesis of yoga uh, reminds us he quotes uh, three particular instances of beings who have uh, who are freed themselves but yet they continue to act in the world to free all others and one of them of course is buddha who turns away from the threshold of nirvana and he says that how can i enter into step into the maha nirvana where all is dissolution as long as there is one human soul suffering in ignorance and we know that buddha had a tremendous powerful vital personality hardly anybody can match his intellect and the strength of his vital then comes uh, i mean conquest of desire ego is not an easy thing uh, so that strength is very different and that's exactly what swami vivekananda strength is not physical but moral spiritual the second is the prayer from the bhagavat where the poet or the rishi says that how can i seek my own liberation i would rather come back to earth a thousand times and same thing we see in swami vivekananda where he says i would want to come to this world a thousand times and be among and worship the one god god the poor god the deprived god the ignorant who has become all this so we see this wonderful powerful invocation of the deity within man which is what probably struck the west most because before that god was otherworldly he was somewhere elsewhere who managed to worship and swami vivekananda brought him to earth seated him once again where his real place is within the heart of man of course we can find him in the temples the mosque and the churches but the place where we have to find him is in the heart of man and that's where we see swami vivekananda beautifully once again awakening god in the heart of man who was he well he belonged to that class of beings who are nitya mukt that's how shobindo describes so nitya mukt are beings who have gone to a higher plane because they are liberated and they can come down and go back to do a work so he was somebody who was a nitya mukt not and you know jivan mukt is the slight difference they are free obviously when they are acting but they have realized liberation and they come back come down and go back 
and uh, since we are talking about Nithyamukta, Sri Ramakrishna spoke of them as the Ishwar Koti and the Jeev Koti. So Swami Vivekananda belonged to the Ishwar Koti. And those who are Ishwar Koti, they may, on earth, they may be with everything, but they are not bound by it, not stained by it. That's their beauty because they are inwardly always free. And that's what we see in Swami Vivekananda's personality. If you look at his outer personality, we may not understand many things. For instance, his anger, uh, you know, there is a very interesting, touching little episode of um, Sister Nivedita. When he comes, she comes and meets Sardama. She says that, you know, uh, it is a strange paradox I find him in him. The paradox is that when he speaks about Brahman, he is vast, infinite. We cannot even imagine. He takes us to such heights and widenesses. But when somebody says something against India, oh, look at Swamiji, he folds his, you know, sleeves and he's about to give him a punch. I just don't understand how come he can get angry. And Sardama tells uh, something very interesting. She says, oh, you know, this little anger is given to him as a veil of Maya so that he can act in the world. Otherwise, he won't live in the world. That's what Sri Ramakrishna told about Swami Vivekananda. That the day he realizes who he is, he'll just go away. So there is, so there is a difference between this uh, outer personality and his inner being, which is towering into the magnificent heights. And that's, you know, when somebody before Swami Vivekananda had gone to, um, you know, on his tour to America, someone complained to um, Sri Ramakrishna that, uh, look here, I mean, you praise Naren so much and uh, you know you you take him to what heights but you know uh, you know he can eat meat he can do this and uh, what is so great about him so he had not yet traveled and in a prophetic way he said oh Naren even if he goes out and sits with people who are taking wine and meat he would remain untouched and pure this was Swami Vivekananda in Nityamukta now he had come to prepare the field for something else which was to come. So like the morning star, he came in the night and showed the touch of light, the first glimmer. And with that, the soul of India awakened. But the work was not over. He had just started the work. He had initiated. He was an initiator, not one who would fulfill it. Because that was to be done with someone else. And that's where we see the transition from Swami Vivekananda to Sri it is very interesting that if you see Shurbindo's writings and the, uh, what people, you know, just now we heard about Swami Vivekananda coming to Shurbindo in the jail. So in the jail, we see that uh, apart from other personalities, primarily Sri Krishna and Swami Vivekananda comes to him. Sri Krishna lays down the broad foundation of the future with regard to Sanatan Dharma and what else to follow. And Swami Vivekananda comes and like the great rishis who are standing on the high peaks of wisdom, on the Mount Everest, he points out towards the sun, towards which everything must climb, towards which he himself has to travel. That sun which alone can uh, finally uh, create the synthesis which is needed. Both Swami Vivekananda and Sri Ramakrishna were creating that synthesis. But the synthesis between material world and the highest world, that and the action of the higher consciousness, all this he showed to him. Because he was standing on that luminous realm, the Swar Lok, if one may call, uh, call it. And from the Swar Lok, he was pointing the way to the Mahar Lok, towards which um, Sri Aurobindo would eventually climb. So this entire episode in the Alipur jail, it's a different thing altogether that 
Shobindo later on said that it was a part of his mind because the influence remains for a long time when beings like him uh, leave the physical body. Uh, as he said to <coughs> one of his disciples, I have spat out my body, which was in, in the great Upanishadic vein. So, um, very clearly, uh, he, he, in the end, did eventually... Toward the end, we see in Swami Vivekananda's life, he did what he had to do. He had sown the seeds. He had awakened India to the great spiritual work, to its own spiritual strength, to the uh, cry of Swaraj. But toward the end, we see last one year or so, we see that Swami Vivekananda speaks in a very touching letter. He says, you know what? I am still that little child sitting at Sri Ramakrishna's feet, longing to be lost in that infinite ocean of peace and bliss. See longs for that. He had gone into the world and shaken the world by the storm and thunder and roar of Indian spiritual might. And then he longs to be like a child who is into the mother's arms. We see this another very interesting tendency. Swami Vivekananda is a Vedantin. But basically in his heart he is a Shakt because you know he comes from the Shakti tradition. Same thing we see in Sri Ramakrishna. Uh, a beautiful synthesis of uh, tantra and Vedanta. Before that, we don't find this kind of synthesis. There is the tantric approach and there is Vedantic approach. But the difference is, Sri Ramakrishna uses tantra as a means of ascension toward the ultimate Vedantic truth. Whereas we see in Shurabindo using Vedanta as a starting point to enter into the finality of the tantra, which is about uh, redeeming this world and matter. So Swami Vivekananda's coming to Shurabindo in the jail is. In a way, the entire past traditions which he had summarized within it and broken the outer shell, liberated it from all the trappings, the religious trappings, the ideological trappings, the trappings of philosophy, systems and all that. He shows to Sri Aurobindo that this is your work, now carry on from there, from here. So we see that Sri Aurobindo taking up from Swami Vivekananda and of course Sri Krishna the work toward the future. This is the background and what that work toward the future is that we find in Shurabindo, which of course goes far beyond traditional Vedanta, traditional Tantra. It is not just to redeem our um, human soul and to uncover its divine nature. Of course, Swami Vivekananda said that all of us deep within have a divine nature. And when we get rid of ignorance, we discover it. But this divine nature cannot express itself through the outer being, through the body, through the instruments which are given to us. And Shurabindo takes it from there and says, no, until the instruments and the outer man also changes, there is no way that there can be a possibility of divine life upon earth. So he takes up that work of the ages which has been left undone. In fact, untouched rather. That's, it is to that which Swami Vivekananda referred when he said that human nature is like a dog's tail and you cannot straighten it by any means. So this he was referring not to the deepest nature, which is of course divine, but to the surface nature of man, proneness to anger, proneness to other things which you know we find expressed in humanity. But Sri takes it up and says until this changes, there is no possibility of divine life upon earth. This is what we find in uh, Savitri, the moment Sri enters that realm of the new creation. He suddenly experienced this change. His soul was all in front like a sea. So that truth of with being which is within, the true divine nature comes out and starts spreading into the world and 
you know um, the action start the instruments have to change that is a uh, process which has begun subsequent to that so in a way we can say that what swami vivekananda sowed the seeds he showed the way toward the future shubindu takes it from there and takes very very far towards its culmination and fulfillment so uh, that's what some sri arbindo meant when he said that uh, do not forget that we derive also from swami vivekananda and sri ramakrishna so it's that taking up of a work just like taking up of the work from the gita but equally we would make a mistake if we take the two as uh, a similar kind of thing it's the same thing like when people take up the gita and sri arbindo and because they know that sri krishna is sri arbindo and sri arbindo is sri krishna they they believe that you know the gita's message is what sri arbindo gives and sri arbindo made it very clear that the gita does not give the whole message of sri arbindo there is something which he adds something which he brings something which is crucial like the most important element and that element is the transformation of nature which is not there in any of the previous uh, you know uh, saints vibhutis uh, and this he could do the reason for that is that vivekananda is a nitymukti is a vibhuti he is a vibhuti of shiva and like shiva he has the raw respect and one who breaks all formal traditions shiva is a great iconoclast that's why daksh prajapati doesn't like him so he breaks all those uh, traditions uh, which are there belonging to that so he is a vibhuti and vibhuti comes to bring great revolutions in the world but the avatar comes to bring the great evolution of the world so within that tamas he woke up that rajas and a raj and connected that rajas to the spiritual force of india this was needed because before swami vivekananda we see that people are lying in a state of tamas so he awakens rajas out of it and then connects it to the spiritual force of india that's we see in his insistence on brahmacharya and all these things that power which is within man and then that rajas has to be taken to its ultimate um, fulfillment and transformed into chit tapas so this was the work which shubindo takes forward that is the essence and we will read um, some of the passages one of the passages which is uh, from swami vivekananda and there are many but one of the one which appeals to me beautifully and gives the essence his essence was realize who we are this was the essence of swami vivekananda but how that realization will mold and cast itself into life that he did not uh, much give shape to he did speak about education he did speak about women empowerment but he did not lay down the lines he was somebody who out of the formless drew some sketches but these sketches somebody else had to come and give form and expression to these sketches so he was like that and one of the famous examples is that you know sister nivedita recounts in uh, her wonderful book um, the master as i saw him so when he would go to england 10 12 people will attend and uh, she once tells him that you know why do you give such talks without giving any methods and concrete ways and techniques and uh, you know you just give talks which are very inspiring and inspired but lot of people don't come because they want to know what is to be done and swami vivekananda said let them awaken to the truth within and it will organize itself he said that 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 fixing of things into a fixed mold casting things into a rigid system that he did not do even though he has a mission you know sri ramakrishna mission is something which has been directly inspired by him and there were many others who were not in favor of it but he refused to 
give sudden fixed method though when we look at it he speaks about concentration meditation patanjali's yog sutra which is a master book uh, the mother had uh, you know read it uh, before she came here um, patanjali's yog sutra which have been translated um, uh, i mean translated means which have been uh, from sanskrit to english by swami vivekananda it's an excellent book so he speaks about these methods he speaks about things passingly but not as a fixed formal method and that we see in shrubindu also and the reason is that both swami vivekananda and shrubindu believe that if you release the kernel of truth within the spiritual truth it will express itself in countless ways in different human beings so that's what swami vivekananda meant when he said that a day will come when each man will have his own religion his own path the widest possible formula of spirituality ever given and same with shrubindu the moment you give a fixed method a fixed system then or a fixed thought also then you are systematizing it and finishing it of its wideness both were in touch with the infinite one can see it from their writings and their speeches but shrubindu also refused to fix his thought into a fixed formal rigid narrow system because then it tends to become a dogma so it's very amazing lot of people find this very difficult uh, about shorbindo that why doesn't he give something fixed like a do this uh, don't do this like a you know formulas but he refused to do it because the moment you do it you finish you finish the whole truth the truth is infinite and it will express itself in infinite ways in numberless human beings the world is not created for a monotone the moment we say a fixed system which everybody must follow it's a monotone but release the truth and let it take shape but the difference is that shirbindu spoke about this releasing of the truth and shaping of a life should be through the dynamic impulsion of the divine shakti that's where the mother comes in and open to the mother became the mool mantra of shirbindu's yoga so one of the passages where swami vivekananda says the gift of strength and self reliance this find so wonderful when people are going through depression and they don't believe in god <laughs> doesn't matter believe in yourself you know he would say believe in yourself believe in destiny believe in god if you cannot believe in any of them have faith in yourself why have faith in ourselves because we are anshas portions of the infinite we carry the flame within and if we believe in ourselves we'll end up finding the way towards uh, fulfilling the dreams no fear brahman am i fear not infinite is your courage limitless your capacity you are the very brahman awake in the being of the brahman within you know who you are and what you are you will blow off the illusion of attachment to the small and the petty shrubindu so beautifully o force compelled fate driven earth born race O petty adventurers in an infinite world and prisoners of a dwarf humanity, how long shall you tread the circling tracks of mind around your little self and petty things? But not for a changeless littleness where you meant, not for vain repetition where you built. Almighty powers are shut in nature cells. It goes to that extent that not just in the individual, in each cell, in each atom of existence, the almighty powers are there. There is a little here something very interesting. This regarding power. While Swami Vivekananda spoke of awakening the power, he was not much. He seemed not much to be in favor of Siddhis. He would say that you know, uh, well, they are true. They exist, but uh, they can you know. Uh, trap the novice and they can lead towards uh, a fall which is true it's a traditional view of the vedantin but shyorbindo says that well 
if it can lead you towards fall, you have to become strong enough and gain it because powers are inevitable in the course of our uh, evolution at some point of time. They are nothing else but hidden capacities in human nature. Only they have to be placed at the service of the divine. We have to purify ourselves of all egoism. But they will awaken. So this was something unique to Shurbindo where there is a slight difference because when he speaks of power, it's about the power of the light of Brahman awakening within man. This sense of inferiority and incapability. He was reminding Indians, don't know who you are? You believe you are an inferior race because uh, some people come and tell you that you are inferior? Look at the man, he goes all about, all around and comes back. Man in the real sense. He's a, he's, he's, if there is one person being really fit to be called man, it is Swami Vivekananda in the deepest sense of the word. <laughs> word. So when he comes, um, man in the sense of the Upanishads, the Purusha, the one who is, you know, uh, one with the soul within. That's what the Purusha means. So when he comes to, uh, and to comp- as a compliment, the Shakti had to also awaken. <laughs> so that we find in Shurabindo. Because awakening the Purusha is not enough. Every woman carries the Shakti within. So when Swami Vivekananda comes after a uh, two-day world, and uh, somebody asked him, Swamiji, you were such an Indophile, loved India and spoke so highly. Now you have seen Europe and America and all these. What do you say about, uh, um, what do you feel about India now? So he says something very interesting. He says, well, before I left for uh, you know America and Europe, uh, India was always sacred to me. But now after I have returned <laughs> from there and seen through the mask of glitter and glamour, the very dust of India is sacred to me. So this was the man, the leonine man, the sage, the yogi. And he really brings into mind after a long time the yogis, the rishis of yore. Unlike in between we see certain mystic movements, a misguided mysticism, people saying some nice um, uh, slokas and some dohas and some uh, whatever it is in different languages, speaking about God being there and his nature. It's the dynamic current of spirituality was missing. And Swami Vivekananda comes and awakens it. Man's entire sadhana consists in kindling this fire of the Brahman. The flaming tongues of which will purify him by consuming all impurities in order to manifest the blazing forms of the vast in whatever he does and creates. So, in a sense, he is saying that the low is the state in which we do it. If the Brahman is awakened... Even the lowest of the low can be turned into a sacrament and a, you know, divine blaze. How shall this fire be kindled? He says something very interesting. Swami Vivekananda, he is mighty intellect. You know, only three intellects one can uh, think about before Shirovindo. I am saying Shirovindo is a, you know, the sun in which all lights are there. Or get absorbed. But before Shirobindu, there are three mighty intellects which come to mind from the spiritual point of view. One is Buddha, the second is Shankara. Strangely, they seem to, I mean, he seemed to have a reason to cancel him but reaffirmed him. Very mighty intellect. And the third is Swami Vivekananda. Mighty intellect. And the, but the beauty of Swami Vivekananda, as you know, I would say, not opposed to, but different from, uh, you know, Shankara and Buddha is that Swami Vivekananda has something to say on many world issues. 
you speak to him about the french revolution he will speak about it you speak to him about the history of india he will speak about it you speak to him about the americans the england europe their nature he will speak about it you speak to him about the japanese he will speak about it so there is a wideness in swami vivekananda which connects us to the world you speak to him about the life in india its villages life in america he will speak about it which is different from the way shankaran buddha gave noble truths high truths for man to live by they were general principles but here is swami vivekananda who understood life at the very roots and that of course we see sri aurobindo and the mother not only they know about this life to the roots but they are pouring into the roots of life where falsehood has permeated the uh, the waters of divine love to purify it and the blazing light of uh, you know the sun of divine truth to rejuvenate it how shall this fire be kindled what does swami vivekananda the mighty intellect has to say by shraddha same thing with when we read shobindo he says two things are important faith and will if they are there everything else will come by the power of faith alone a man becomes as is his faith he is completely echoing the gita that as is our faith so we tend to become a man becomes whatever he has faith in so if we have faith in that we can find a way to cure ourselves from within we will end up finding a way but if you have faith in that there is no way that man can cure himself just to take an aside a little dig but he has to depend only on outer pharmacopia then he will remain dependent because as is our faith so we tend to become that was an aside not to be quoted in public <laughs> so now what does shurbindu say this was swami vivekananda what does shurbindu say about him some of the key things vivekananda was a soul of pusa if ever there was one a very lion among men but the definite work he has left behind is quite incommensurate with our impression of his creative might and energy if you read through him it looks like the whole world he is um, hovering around like a ball of light and fire and lighting up everything but as i said that form which is needed all things need to manifest the truths need to manifest through forms through you know new structures the old institutions had to be broken but what had to come in its place something new which is more um, ready to take the soul of man to his further ascensions that's what shubindu spoke about with freedom plasticity the new institutions have to come that he remains silent upon he said it will take care of itself we perceive his influence still working gigantically behold vivekananda still lives in the soul of his mother and in the souls of her children so it is with all not only are the men greater than their definite works but their influence is so wide and formless that it has little relation to any formal work that they have left behind them so we cannot measure him by in terms of his writings and speeches because his influence continues and his soul continues to work for the glory of mother india and for the glory of the world then there is a passage which sri aurobindo quotes which is what i just you know express and in this sense he connects with the uh, wider sense of spiritual liberation or wider sense of spiritual working or spirituality which we find in sri aurobindo um, and swami vivekananda otherwise up till then there is a tendency towards individual liberation if you see the saints of your 
uh, even the great sages who inspired creeds and cults though they did speak about serving humanity but it was not by seeing the <laughs> narayana in man so swami vivekananda speaks about daridra narayana and he surely was not speaking about daridra in terms of outer poverty he spoke about serving the daridra narayana in man in sense that man who is impoverished impoverished in his intellect impoverished in his heart he can think low he can think very small his thought is very moves in a very small circle his heart which is cabined within uh, you know narrow ideas of thought or feelings his life which doesn't have a tremendous impulsion you know he logged into small little selfish ends and his uh, he didn't speak about the body but obviously the body is an instrument so he was freeing us from that daridra this is a state of poverty before which outer poverty means nothing because he himself lived a man with uh, outer poverty in fact he had such a beautiful uh, reliance that he knew that whenever he needs something which it will come there is a very beautiful um, interesting anecdote of swami vivekananda that when he was traveling once uh, he felt hungry and i mean but um, he there was nothing to eat and he he waits no problem so see the difference is that yogis also feel hungry it's not that they don't feel hungry but unlike the man of of the sansari man who is rushing oh let me get something let me get something the yogis are its master and if they cannot get then they know how to wait so what happens is that uh, on the next station he was in a train and somebody comes and he says that you know i saw a dream in which ram ji came to me and told me that you know please carry these uh, sweet meats and uh, swami vivekananda of course we know was very fond of sweets and give it to the man in saffron robes who is traveling in this this place and he came he didn't know swami vivekananda so he was a man who in the literal sense of the gita was living by the truth of yogakshem vahamiyam dedicate and devote yourself entirely to me and i shall look after you so daridra narayan which he spoke is not about people who are poor outwardly as if the rich don't deserve <laughs> you know liberation uh, many times the rich are much more poorer because inwardly they are many times poor so this is often quoted uh, or misquoted to mean that well uh, you should go and uh, you know give food and blanket this is not what a man like swami vivekananda would say he is speaking of daridra narayan narayan who is inside the divine the lord and he is wearing the garb of outer daridrata vipannata so you know shobindo quotes him and he says i have lost all wish for my salvation look how it starts it's not about uh, it's about salvation freedom from ignorance may i be born again and again may i be born again and again and suffer thousands of mis- miseries so that i may worship the only god that exists the only god i believe in the sum total of all souls now mark the words and above all my god the wicked my god the miserable look here the word miserable a state of inner misery my god the poor of all races of all species is the special object of my worship who is the high and low the saint and the sinner the god and the worm him worship the visible the knowable the real all bodies are bodies of god the omnipresent 
Break all other idols in whom there is neither past life nor future birth, nor death nor going nor coming, in whom we always have been and always will be one. Him worship. Break all other idols. So this is Vivekananda, who when he bids us to do Daridra Narayan Seva, he is saying that first enrich yourself, awaken that flame within, then go out into the world as torches of light and Kindle the fire within all so that all may be replenished and become rich with this inner richness and all else will come to them. Outer wealth, hegemony, everything else. And then Shurabindu commenting on this says, The last two sentences contain indeed the whole gist of the matter. The true salvation or the true freedom from the chain of rebirth is not the rejection of terrestrial life. See how uh, wrongly we understand that he is saying that uh, the one who is neither past nor future but the present as if he is, does not believe in rebirth no that's not the case he says the true salvation of the true freedom from the chain of rebirth is not the rejection of terrestrial life or the individual's escape by spiritual self annihilation even as the true renunciation is not the mis- mere physical abandonment of family and society one can be with the family and the society and yet be a renunciate shurabindo is a great example of that and of course the mother. And Swami Vivekananda, even though he outwardly rejected, he was with the world fully. It is the inner identification with the divine in whom there is no limitation of past life and future birth, but instead the eternal existence of the unborn soul. He who is free inwardly, even doing actions, does nothing at all. So they are the people who don't glorify them. <laughs> Swami Vivekananda, I, when he said I, Vivekananda says, so it's a realization he is speaking about. But there are many who would glorify in <laughs> his name. He who is free inwardly, even doing actions, does nothing at all. See is the Gita. This is the state of Neshkarmanya. This is the state where inwardly you are doing nothing but doing everything. Or everything is being done through you. For it is nature that works in him under the control of the Lord of nature. And finally, it is very interesting, the last bit which I am going to read is the last passage of the last paragraph of the last writing in Karmi Yogin. Which means after that, Shurabindo embarks to Pondicherry. So we see the transition and here comes the kernel of the relation between Swami Vivekananda and Shurabindo. He himself is declaring it. This is from Karmi Yogin, volume number 38, 26th March 1910. The work that was begun at Dakshineshwar is far from finished. It is not even understood. That which Vivekananda received and strove to develop has not yet materialized. The truth of the future that Vijay Goswami hid within himself has not yet been revealed utterly to his disciples. A less discreet revelation prepares, a more concrete force manifests. How beautiful. Less discreet. It is not through thunder and storm that the force which is going to come, he is presaging it. The victory, the advent of a new world is not announced by the beating of drums. So he says, a less discreet revelation. Many will not know it. God shall grow up while the wise men talk and sleep. 
So something else is going to come which will be less discreet. A more concrete force manifests. But it in its impact, it will be much more powerful. That's what he meant when somebody asked him that it seems there are very few people who will be following you. He said, yes, if the new consciousness demanded the old way of casting itself into the mold of a system or religion, there would be many, many uh, followers, much more than any religion so far. But it seeks new expression. It is something totally new. And that's why its impact will be far-reaching. But it will not be seemingly as stormy as up till now, the spiritual movements. And that is the work of the avatar. But where it comes, when it comes, none know it. A less discreet revelation prepares, a more concrete force manifests. But where it comes, when it comes, none know it. It was to come in Pondicherry. It was to come from the junction of the two continents from France, it was to happen in a small little town, perhaps not even a town, but yes, a town in the southern tip of India. So that force was to manifest there in a very, in a less discreet way. If you look at the Samadhi of Shirobindo and, uh, you know, in the ashram, everything is there so wonderful, but not like some mega structures built around it and from there a new force is animating the world has is entering the world and transforming it so this was the work which was uh, Swami Vivekananda as I said like the morning star who came in the night and pointed the way toward the sun to one who has to come he was invoking the sun when he came to Sri he was saying you be the holder of that sun come hold it and Sri is the son, the difference between Vibhuti and an avatar, he is the son who comes to open the way towards the future. Vivekananda frees this world from the clutches of the past and in a way he hints, hints that what the future could be if we could awaken to the real truth of what the past represented. And we see that Shurabindu comes and gives us the way and the direction of the future which is all about the yoga of transformation, which is a whole subject in itself. Namaste. Oh, there. Well, that's a very wonderful question because it directly connects in a way to Swami Vivekananda. Now, Vedanta is derived from the Vedas and it is called as the end of the Vedas. That's how the word Vedanta comes. So, what happens if you read the Vedas? Vedas are all comprehensive and it's very difficult to get their true inner sense because the whole thing is very complex. And uh, uh, so, Vedanta was the essence of the Vedas which is relevant to us in terms of our inner spiritual growth. That is Vedanta, which is primarily, you know, the Upanishads, which is taken out from the Vedas. They are not from, you know, somewhere else, but they are um, things which are relevant in terms of the spiritual aspects of um, our life and how we can discover it and, you know, uh, by recovering it, how we can obviously grow into spiritual being, spiritual strength, because all the rest will follow. But it is very interesting that at one place, at one place, Swami Vivekananda says something very interesting. He says that it is difficult to, uh, you know, sometimes the Vedantas do get lost into intellectual systems. And it is not, you know, not necessary to go into that. 
what we can really do is if we really want that ancient truth is to go back to the vedas this is what he says which is something very amazing uh, because you know ultimately the seeds are in the vedas and this is what we find with shurabindo that he takes up the secret of the vedas and even though he has commentaries on the upanishads there is a reason why he takes up the vedas because there is a system of yoga in its profundity in its details in uh, all its different aspects we find in the vedas the path to the Uh, great goal so vedas are like entirely in, in fact profoundly psycho spiritual scriptures as we take up the journey what are the forces we encounter how to start the journey how to initiate but not in the modern language of course it's like the fire of aspiration which is lit up by rubbing the two uh, you know woods that's how the vedic rishis would describe so keep one wood below and keep one above so uh, then the fire is lit it is the higher and the lower consciousness they come in contact the fire is lit then there is the journey then cosmic forces come in there are uh, you know powers that oppose there are powers that help and eventually through all this you reach that point where you discover the one within and the one everywhere so that's vedanta uh, that's vedas now vedanta took another approach it says yes ultimately you reach the one so just concentrate upon the one so vedanta takes up that aspect isha vasyam idam sarvam yad kincha jagatyam jagat so it takes up that one who is dwelling within and by meditating and concentrating upon him uh, of course there are different upanishads with slight turn but primarily it concerns with the realization of brahman but the problem with that is that sometimes uh, i mean there are wonderful scriptures and without a doubt but the problem with that is that you know how to really connect it with life there are seeds which are there especially in isha upanishad and somebody had to make the bridge between those seeds and the truths as they they you know they would manifest in lives that shurabindo does similarly with the vedas the profound journey the great spiritual truths which were given only to initiate because veda is a path it's a yoga it's not a book it's not a scripture it continues to unfold itself there is no limit to the vedas because they are infinite uh, we limit them to the four vedas but veda by their very nature is a journey of the infinite to the infinite but the infinite who has uh, you know compressed himself into the small into the infinite decimal so vedas are that is the complete journey vedanta calls out its essence so shurbindo also liberated this secret of the vedas because by doing this he was connecting the great past to the future otherwise there are religions which have sprung up in um, even in india which cut themselves off from the veda and start saying that you know we are different well if you cut a branch from the root you are bound to shrivel up because it's only by connecting that you draw the strength otherwise it will become a very limited branch and how long a limited branch can sustain itself so uh, that's the difference between vedas and vedanta and of course there is tantra which shurabindo brings in swami vekananda has that aspect but doesn't uh, openly speak about it but his worship of the mother when he goes to shir bhavani and comes and says oh mother rain on me misery uh, sickness everything because he started adoring kali like uh, sri ramakrishna and sri ramakrishna of course uh, we know that how totapuri when he came uh, the vedantin teacher he showed him the truth of tantra he taught him the truth of tantra as <laughs> it he was a vedantin so that synthesis of tantra and vedanta we find um, in shurabindo which is hinted again in sri ramakrishna and swami vivekananda so basically vedanta is about the purusha aspect the one divine who is in everything and everywhere this is the passive divine presence tantra is about the dynamic divine pulsation which is in creation 
and it is about the divine shakti which has gone into creation manifests itself in multiple ways and blossoms in countless ways so we can say that uh, vedas and vedanta vedanta primarily speaks about the eternal sun who is ever shining in the firmaments and uh, tantra is about the rays which sun rays which touch and make the earth filled with colors and seasons and beauty and wonder and charm awaken in man the aspiration to unite with the sun so that is the basic difference so ved vedanta and tantra and in shurabindu we find the perfect culmination of these swami vivekananda himself actually there is a passage now i don't remember where he does speak of uh, vedantic systems and he says that you know they are they have got into intellectual uh, thought whereas one should go back to the vedas to discover the original but he didn't have the time i suppose to really bring out those truths into the open he did uh, like his, one of his famous quotes from the upanishad there are wonderful things as i said na yamatma na pravachane na medhana bahunashtutin so he and na yamatma balhinen this uh, Uh, the the divine the one is not for the weak so there are beautiful passages but vedas are comprehensive and complete vedanta picks up the intellectual and final spiritual side and presents it to the world so it's easier to comprehend for the intellectual mind vedanta the upanishads yeah yes please तो वही जैसा कि मैंने पहले भी कहा कि स्वामी विवेकानंदा बाहर से रिनंशिएट थे अंदर से कर्मयोगी थे हाँ आपका प्रश्न स्पष्ट है मैंने पूरा सुना तो जैसा कि मैंने कहा कि स्वामी विवेकानंदा बाहर से रिनंशिएट हैं लेकिन अंदर से वो कर्मयोगी हैं ये बिल्कुल आपका बिल्कुल सटीक और सुंदर ऑब्जर्वेशन है इवन उसके पहले ना केवल नाइन्टी पर उसके पहले हम उनके अंदर ये प्रवृत्ति देखते हैं हाँ हाँ बिल्कुल बिल्कुल ये स्पष्ट रूप से देखते हैं वो तो हाँ तो अब कर्मयोग शेरविंद भी उसको एक स्टार्टिंग पॉइंट के रूप में डेफिनेटली uh, वो कहते हैं कर्मयोग इज द मोस्ट वाइडेस्ट वे मतलब सबसे अगर कोई कहा जाए कि इट द वाइडेस्ट वे टू एंटर इनटू द योगा इज थ्रू द कर्मयोग ये क्योंकि कर्म में इंक्लूजन है हाँ ज्ञान योग में एक टेंडेंसी है टू गो बियॉन्ड भक्ति योग में जो एडोरर है जो वर्शिपर है वो भक्ति में लीन हो सकता है अपने इष्ट के साथ लेकिन कर्मयोग एक ऐसा मार्ग है जिसमें हम संसार से भी जुड़े हैं और संसार की सारी ऊर्जाओं से जुड़े हैं तो उस सेंस में ये बिल्कुल कॉमन एलिमेंट है शिवर और स्वामी विवेकानंद में कि कर्म की प्रधानता है लेकिन ये स्वामी विवेकानंद ने भी कहा है लेकिन शेयरबिंद ने इसको बड़े स्पष्ट रूप से कहा है कि कर्म शुड बी इंस्पायर्ड बाई ज्ञान बिकॉज अगर ज्ञान विहीन होकर अगर कर्म होगा तो अपने मार्ग से हट जाएगा एंड उसके कोर में लव होना चाहिए एंड दैट इज लव फॉर द डिवाइन सो डिवाइन नॉलेज और डिवाइन या डिवाइन विजडम और डिवाइन लव ये कर्म के पीछे सदैव होना चाहिए क्योंकि अगर वो ना हो तो हम हम कर्म में भटक सकते हैं और इस प्रकार से उन्होंने तीनों को वास्तव में तीनों का उन्होंने समन्वय किया जैसे गीता में है लेकिन इसके साथ ही श्री अरविंद इस समन्वय को केवल ज्ञान कर्म और भक्ति की त्रिवेणी ही नहीं उसके आगे ले जाते हैं विवेकानंद में भी इनकी त्रिवेणी है लेकिन कर्म बड़ा प्रधान रूप से आता है टूवर्ड दी एंड और प्रारंभ में ज्ञान का रूप आता है भक्ति का है उनके अंदर लेकिन इट कम्स मच एज ए अंडर करेंट बहुत स्ट्रांग नहीं आता है क्योंकि वो ज्ञान योगी हैं एक इस पर मुझे याद आया जब श्री रामकृष्ण परमन से किसी ने पूछा कि ब्राह्मण क्या है तो उन्होंने नाग महाशय से कहा कि बोलो नाग महाशय ब्राह्मण क्या है तो कहते नहीं हियास की हाँ ब्राह्मण क्या है तो नाग महाशय कहते हैं 
मैं तो डस्ट ऑफ योर फीट उससे भी नीचे हूं तो मैं क्या कह सकता हूं आप ही ब्राह्मण हो और जब स्वामी विवेकानंद इतने में आते हैं तो उनसे पूछते हैं कि नरेंद्र ब्रह्म क्या है तो विवेकानंद कहते हैं आई एम ब्राह्मण तो ये जो एक कर्म योग का के साथ ज्ञान योग का सुंदर समन्वय हम स्वामी विवेकानंद में देखते हैं भक्ति है अंडर करेंट में श्री रामकृष्ण के प्रति हालांकि उसमें भी उनको बाद में कहीं कहीं पर डाउट्स आए थे जो एक फेमस एपिसोड है जब वो आई थिंक देवरा बाबा कहाँ पे गए थे जहाँ पे श्री रामाकृष्ण उनके पास आते हैं और कहते हैं कि मैंने सब कुछ तुझे दे दिया अभी तेरे मन में डाउट है क्योंकि उनके अंदर ज्ञान बहुत प्रबल था और कर्म की भाव था और भक्ति एक रूप लेती है मनुष्य के अंदर भगवान की सेवा तो शेयरविंद के उसमें प्रेम बड़ा प्रोमिनेंट है वो लव को कहते हैं द क्राउन एंड द भक्ति और सरेंडर को शेयरविंद मुख्य चीज बताते हैं अपने योग में तो कर्म के पीछे भक्ति बड़े एक स्ट्रॉन्ग टेंडेंसी है शेयरविंद के योग में हम यहां तक ये कह सकते हैं कि भक्ति ही भगवान का प्रेम ही कर्म के लिए जब हम प्रेमित प्रेरित करता है तभी हम वास्तव में दरिद्र नारायण की सेवा कर सकते हैं क्योंकि वो नारायण की सेवा है तीसरी चीज जो हम देखते हैं कि शेयरविंद अपने इस समन्वय में इस त्रिवेणी में शरीर की यात्रा को भी जोड़ लेते हैं क्योंकि यदि शरीर रूपांतरित नहीं होता तो बाकी चीजें तो आधी अधूरी रह जाएंगी तो इनर रियलाइजेशन के साथ आउटर चेंज ये भी एक नई चीज शेयरविंद जोड़ते हैं क्योंकि नहीं तो क्या होगा सिंथिसिस में वो बताते हैं कि हम अंदर में तो परिपक्व रहेंगे अंदर में लिबरेटेड रहेंगे स्वामी विवेकानंद वाज इनवर्डली फ्री लेकिन बाहर में हम ट्वाइलाइट वर्क्स ऑफ इग्नोरेंस करेंगे और इसका उदाहरण एक छोटा सा उदाहरण जिसके साथ वी कैन क्लोज दिस क्वेश्चन इज कि अब एक डॉक्टर है पुराने योग के हिसाब से वो अंदर में भगवान को रियलाइज कर जाए लेकिन जब वो मरीज का इलाज करेगा तो ट्रेडिशनल दवाई जो भी हो एलोपैथी आयुर्वेदा और वो कहेगा कि भाई अंदर में मैंने भगवान को ऑफर कर दिया है भगवान क्योर करेंगे पर ये दवाइयाँ ले लो ये एक ट्रेडिशनल योग की पद्धति अभी भी ऐसे योगीज हैं जो इस प्रकार से जीवन को देखते हैं लेकिन शेयरविंद इस चीज को यूं कहेंगे मनुष्य के अंदर भगवान है मनुष्य के अंदर हील करने की क्षमता है तो उसको अवेकन करना चाहिए नाउ दिस इज समथिंग न्यू कि मनुष्य के अंदर हिडन पावर्स हैं जो डेवलप होनी है और उनको डेवलप होने के लिए ऐसे मनुष्य चाहिए जिनका मस्तिष्क जिनका हृदय जिनका देह सबल है धारण करने के लिए स्वामी विवेकानंद इसको हिंट करते हैं जब वो कहते हैं यू मस्ट हैव नर्व्स ऑफ स्टील एंड प्ले फुटबॉल लेकिन इस चीज को फुलनेस का जो पार्ट है वो श्री अरविंद देते हैं रूपांतरण की बात जिसके बिना हम वास्तव में भगवान को बाहर प्रकट नहीं कर सकते मैनिफेस्ट नहीं कर सकते एक्सेप्ट इन ए लिमिटेड वे थैंक यू